happy Friday and welcome back to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. As always, I have an amazing guest on today's episode. He is none other than James Hobart. Many of you will recognize James from his many appearances at the CrossFit Games, including winning with CrossFit New England in the team division. And beyond that, you probably know him as one of the most recognized coaches in the world. He's featured on CrossFit.com's videos on YouTube for the movement standards. And he's been working on the level one and level two scene for nearly 10 years. So chances are, if you've taken your level one, you may have had James coaching you on your squat, your press, or your deadlift. Turns out, I don't even think we touched upon this in the interview, but James also has a law degree. So in addition to being an amazing coach, one smart dude, and we dive into so many fun aspects of coaching in this episode from just how to become a better coach to keeping your athletes motivated in class to you have to clean the bathroom at the box. Really anything and everything that can be covered in the world of coaching, James touches on and he's such a smart guy. I'm so excited to share this with you. I think you're going to love it. So it's Friday. You ain't got shit to do. To listen to the best hour of their day in my interview with my good friend and someone I highly, highly admire, James Hobart. Welcome back to best hour of their day. James, I'm going to give you the best introduction I can. Are you ready? I can't wait. So we have James Hobart. Here's what I have to say about James Hobart. I think you are the most decorated team athlete ever in CrossFit. What do you think about that? That's pretty good. I I, I don't know if that's the best introduction I've ever had. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> so let's go on. Uh, owner of CrossFit Boston. Yes. Uh, part, of the, part of the hand plan programming along with Austin and Spencer. The, the triumvirate. Yep. A longtime member of the CrossFit seminar staff and you hold the distinction of being a flow master. Yeah, and a level four now. Oh, congrats on that. Maybe we'll touch on that. And Thank and you. maybe most importantly, engaged to someone significantly out of your league. So maybe that's it. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, yeah, she, I, I out through my coverage with, with Cassandra. But uh, yeah, I'm very, she took pity on me. I'm very lucky. Well, <laughs> being someone else in that category, I can appreciate it. So very cool. How was that, better? Yeah. You happy with that? That's, I love that. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. All right. So James Hobart on here. There's really so many different directions I can take this. But to start, I definitely want to talk to you about coaching CrossFit. Like you said, you are a level four CrossFit coach. So so let's get that answer out of the way because people are going to be listening. And they're like, well, how do I even get that? So how do you become a level four CrossFit coach these days? I, I have mine as well. It was a little bit different, but but what what's the standard these days? And it's going to be out in the future. What will that look like? Well, at this, yeah, I was going to say at this point, I don't believe the, uh, the, the test has been fully released. And um, in the old days, you just, I think in the old, old days, you just had to show up at a, show up at enough seminars and you got like a pat on the back and like a, you, you learned the secret handshake and you were in. 
And then uh, it, after level one, it changed to so the original CrossFit uh, level two course was really just two days of a, of a uh, ass whooping of your knowledge of the nine foundational movements. But if you pass that, and the pass rate at that time was really low, right? It was like under 40% or something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I took the second ever in Santa Cruz at the original box. And I don't had you ever been to the original box? I um I have been out there, but not when it was like not when it was going. So there was like a staircase upstairs, kind of had a lounge area, and you know you you did all this testing for basically most of the two days, and then the last hour or two, you're going up there and finding out your your destiny, if you will. And people were just going up and coming back down, crying, like grown men crying because you know who was up there is like nicole carroll dave castro pat sherwood and it's not like they were being mean but here you are being told you're not very good at something you think you are yeah and um luckily i didn't come back down crying i passed and and like you said that was kind of the the way to become a level four up until now yeah you charmed them um and now so so, so now there's it's it's a step process you know so you have to have your level one um, you're level two, you must apply to and uh, pass the CFL3, the Certified CrossFit Level 3 Trainer uh, Test. And then I believe it's coming soon. Level four is coming soon. And uh, that'll refer to, I think it's Certified CrossFit Level 4 Coach. Um, and whereas sort of the, I think I guess the level three was a demonstration of uh, knowledge I think the level four will be a uh, application of knowledge in a coaching in a class environment. And I believe they're, they're still working on all the details of that. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, man, I want this out, that's cool, but you're not ready to take it. And I don't know who you are. I just know, you know, you need to be prepared to, to demonstrate your ability. Like you just said, the level three test is a challenge I took all, you know, four hours of my time at a computer and the level four, I have no doubt is going to be a challenge because that's quite an honor. I mean, it's the highest, highest degree, if you will, you can get these days in CrossFit. Yeah, I think it will be a really big honor. You know, this thing, and you know, I've, I've loved all of the, the steps, especially as CrossFit's courses have become accredited. You know, I think the, the steps that they've added on are, are really excellent. And, you know, obviously I believe in that because it's, it's a big part of what I do. Um, but I think it's funny with the level three, you know, I met a lot of people or have come across people who have failed and they, they get, and I know they, it's cause they care, but they get so hurt by it. And I think it's always good to remember too, as coaches, it's sort of like, well, are you good at gymnastics movements? Yeah, maybe. And then, you know, how are you at weightlifting movements? You're like, Oh, my weightlifting movements suck. And I think sometimes, you know, we forget to look uh, at our own other skill sets in that way. It's like, well, maybe you have a really good understanding of like, you know, how to run a timeline in a class or engage people, but maybe just your knowledge of CrossFit is kind of weak or your knowledge of uh, just that kind of training is weak. And I think it's good for people to try and take a much broader approach to, to a single skill set. But uh, yeah, the level four, I think will be tough um, for a lot of people, but I also think it'll be good for them to continually do better something they care about. So I'm, I'm really, I, I'm excited to see what happens with yeah, I, I'm as as well. So people are listening to this. You know, we have two CrossFit Level 4 coaches chatting. And, and really what I want to hear from you, because you are a phenomenal coach. You are one of the best in the world. And even though you're a more recent Level 4 than I am, you are still someone I admire for your ability to coach other athletes. So people listening, I always like to 
ask the guests, like, what are some tangible things you would give to someone looking to develop as a CrossFit coach? Wow. Yeah, there's so much to do here. Tangible things I would give to someone to develop as a CrossFit coach. And uh, I would probably lean back on something that uh, I do pretty regularly at the, the level twos. And I would say have a very solid grasp on foundational knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's so funny to say this sometimes because I'll take, I'll go and take classes. I travel a lot and I'll go be at other affiliates and I'll kind of watch somebody coach or I'll chit chat with them after class. And I'm like, you know, this, this person, this guy or girl didn't give me one cue about knees out. I didn't hear one technical cue about knees out or chest up or, you know, more hip extension or jump harder. But, uh, you know what, that was a really fun class. Um, and uh, I think you can get pretty far on just that, you know, personality, charisma, entertainment factor. But I do think long-term, you know, five, six, seven, eight years out, you need to be able to really balance both. And not only that, if you're someone who doesn't run a great class, you know, or you're working with somebody you're trying to develop, I think just telling them like, oh, you just got to have more energy or be bigger, you know, some of that stuff can be uh, ephemeral in such a way, it's hard to get specific feedback. And you can just start them with, well, you know what, do you know the, do you have a progression of how to teach 20 people an air squat? And in any trade or task uh, or skill that I've ever learned, you're always more confident when you understand the fundamentals better. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're trying to like memorize a speech you want to give or, you know, repair something in your house, like the better grasp you have of just the basics, you're just always more confident as you proceed forward. And I think anytime a coach is more confident, um, anytime a coach is more confident, they're able to do all of that intangible stuff like be entertaining and be engaged and be caring better. So my first piece of advice would be, you know, look at the foundational nine movements and how well do you know those? How well do you know the common faults? You know, how many different common fixes do you have for how to, how to help somebody push their knees out? And, um, you know, if you couldn't name those nine and name the points performance of those to me right now, I'd say that's a great place to start. You know, that's the place to start. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I work the level twos along with you. And that's often my biggest piece of feedback. You know, Nicole Carroll is known for saying, you know, be you at an 11, you know, an old spinal yeah. tap reference. But like you said, it's hard to be you at an 11 when you're kind of unsure of what you're teaching. And I, I, here's how I kind of envision it. And let me know what you think. I tell people, go home. You need to know the nine foundational movements. You need to know the points of performance associated with each one. And then there's faults with those. And you need to have a handful of verbal. You need to have a good visual and at least one good tactile cue to fix all of those. If you can do that for all nine, now you're becoming a better coach. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, and I think from there, you know, and this is a hard thing to teach. I think it's something I've, I've struggled with for a really long period of time and of how to, and what I've struggled with is how to explain others to, to know when you're in the right place for this or not, but is to kind of put yourself in the right place at the right time to learn and learn from others. You know, it's, it's, you have to seek out someone who's better from than you and likes teaching you and you like learning from, I think, you know, regardless of whatever the skill could be, I think that's a huge one as a, as a new coach or even a new practitioner of, of any sort of skill you want to learn. I think you have to be in an environment. And I, I know I wouldn't be where I am today without the, 
the mentors and teachers that that I've come across and that I've learned from. And I, I think I was always really willing to probably stick around a little longer than I was welcome to just to try and squeeze some more knowledge out of people. But I think as a new coach, that's a huge one. And I think we forget so much, you know, we just want to go off on our own and be like, Oh, what do I need to know? Tell me what I need to know and I'll go do it. Um, you know, what's the best piece of advice you have? It's, it's you know, go find a lot of other people to give you good advice. Um, I think that's a huge one. For those that listen to this show regularly, they're going to realize, you know, every good coach that I've had on has said that. EC said it yesterday. Boz said it. Austin said it. Every good coach is telling us, go learn from better coaches. And it's funny because I brought that up to EC that, you know, that Northeast crew, and you're a part of it, yeah. really developed as some of the best coaches, you know, from Ben Bergeron to EC to you to Austin. And it's like, because we were all around each other and constantly learning from one another, who was your biggest influence as a coach when it came to that? Oh man, there were so many. Um, and uh, actually this made me some, this made me think of something we were talking about with Instagram, but maybe, maybe I'll get back to it. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot of people. I mean, one of I mean, one of them was Neil Thompson, who was the original owner of CrossFit Boston. So, which I think was the first affiliate in Massachusetts, and I believe CrossFit Boston was one of the first fifty affiliates or sixty affiliates in the world. Um, started back in two thousand and five, and the head coach there, Neil Thompson. I just learned a lot from him. He had this really awesome sort of like, you know, even hand approach, and he was you know patient, and um, and you know what, he gave me an environment where I could fail safely. I remember the first time I coached down at CrossFit Boston, I showed up all plucky and, Hey, Neil, um, you know, I want to coach for you. And he said, cool, here's the 9am class. Today's workout is Nancy coach him. And he went back in his office. Now, did he, uh, did he watch you from that office or did he just, he he kept tabs on me, but it was like that class that I taught had a lot of their veteran members in it. And they were, you know, as some CrossFit members can be, you know, tough as nails and, you know, had their own, uh, preconceptions about how a good class should be ran. So it was like, there's probably no better litmus test for him as far as whether or not he should keep me around. Um, you know, cause if there was something they didn't like, they would let him know and they would let me know there on the spot. And, um, but on top of that, you know, he was, if, if I messed something up, I don't think it was like, all right, you're out. It was more of a like, okay, great. So let's give you some tools to make it better and see if you're willing to put in the work to make it better. And I think that's really special is to have a, have a a mentor in the sense who's going to allow you to screw up, point out what you could do better, but also give you an environment where you can do better. And that's really important. So quick Neil Thompson tangent. Yeah. 2009, Neil shows up with a baby faced boat shoe wearing James Hobart to Albany CrossFit for the sectionals introduces me to you and says this guy's gonna win and you know you looked like you do now just with uh, maybe 20 pounds less muscle and you and you went on to win so Neil clearly knows what he's talking about yeah I mean you know he played he had been around a long time in CrossFit and uh he was great to have, you know, cause I was so nervous and anxious about everything. I just remember Neil would just, I would do a workout and I would be all pissed off and Neil would be like, Nope, that was good. Don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. And, 
Um, you know, he would give me some stuff to go work on. He was, it was really fun work with Neil. You know, I was, I was pretty lucky. And while I was there, you know, I got exposed to two trainers who were on seminar staff, uh, in the form of Eva Klerzenkowski and, uh, John Gilson. Um, and then through CrossFit Boston, I also, that's where I crossed paths with, uh, the Bergerons and, um, it was a really, really interesting place to be. And they were running level twos there and level ones there. So I had this really front row seat, you know, to a pretty big turning point in CrossFit. And, uh, I count myself, you know, talk about being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I mean, that was it. You know, and it's, it's funny. Cause I, you know, speak to Boz, I spoke to you, Austin, and it's like, yeah, back in the day, it was that, are you in the right place at the right time? That's I was lucky. I just got into CrossFit early enough and but part of it was you can be in the right place at the right time and still not succeed. If you're the common denominator would still be, you guys all worked hard, showed up, you know, worked for free and, and were willing to learn. So there's more to just right place, right time. It's probably also maybe right effort. And yeah. You know, I think that's probably a huge one too. You know, like advice from new coaches. It's funny. I was talking to a good friend of mine. Who's another affiliate owner out here, uh, Max Isaac. Um, he owns a gym up in Waltham. And, uh, you know, he's got a really great mentality and outlook on work ethic and just, you know, the emotional intelligence of coaches, but, um, you got to be able to grind as a coach. And I think if you're starting off and you want to be a part-time CrossFit coach and your, your, your goal is to be a millionaire, I, I think you're in the wrong place. Um, at first, you know, it's like, I think there, there's a lot of things you can do to be financially successful, but the, the long and the short of it is being a part-time coach, you have to be willing to fucking work and work really hard. The quality of life upside is huge. Um, but at first, you know, you have to accept the fact that maybe the financial upside, um, isn't going to be enormous depending on how hard you are willing to work. And you have to be in a gym and do things like I'm going to coach the class. And then, you know what, I'll go clean the bathroom real quick. And then, you know, I'll go, um, I'll clean down the whiteboards and I'll, I'll spend half an hour before class talking to members and half an hour ask after class talking to members. And I do think if you want to be successful as a coach, like it has to start there. Like you need to, you know, you're not above, you're not above any job. I think that's, gosh, that's, that's some really, really important advice. And, maybe more so than like the learn the progressions and that other kind of vice is like check to see how willing you are to do that kind of stuff. Because there's a lot of little pieces that goes into coaching. That's more than just, you know, running a, an enjoyable hour long class. And a lot of it comes from that work ethic. Yeah. I know. I spoke to James McDermott who runs Albany CrossFit. He was on talking about his intern program and every week he kicks off with cleaning part of the gym with the interns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, you know, always used to say that if I, if I can't trust you to take out the garbage, I can't trust you to coach a class and too many people want to jump into this prestigious role of being a coach, but no one wants to, you know, scrub toilets. Yeah. And you just have to, it's, it's a hundred percent part of it. And there, you know, and it's, what's funny too, is, you know, the longer I've done this, um, knowing good progressions matters, but it's also really funny to me what else matters to members in your gym you know, it's like sometimes no one gives a shit. If you know the push jerk progression, they just really don't want to listen to country music when they work out. Or, um, you know, they might've liked today's workout, but they're really concerned why the showers aren't clean or, you know, why the barbells are squeaky. So, um, you have to pay attention to that little stuff. I mean, that's such a big one. And as, as someone who owns a gym, 
I don't, you know, it'd be nice if everyone would work for free forever, but you know, it's like you, you, you want to see people who come in the door and make themselves, you know, indispensable. And, um, it's easy to find a lot of people who are like, Oh yeah, I'll come in and coach a class for a little bit. It's hard to find somebody who will coach a great class, you know, help develop themselves, you know, put in a little extra work. And those are the people you want to invest in. Yeah. So new coaches get out there and bust your asses. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, as a former box owner and you know, speaking to a lot of box owners, I don't, yeah, I don't care how well you coach. I need you to, you know, I coach two hours a day at the box here, North Naples, I'm sorry, two hours a week at North Naples CrossFit. And honestly, no one gives a shit that I'm a level four coach. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they like the fact that I'm like, Hey, what music do you guys want today? Let's have some fun. Let's, you know, do this and that after let, you know, it's just the best hour. What do you, what are some things you do probably accidentally? So maybe you have to think about it that make you so good that gives your members the best hour of their day. You know, yeah. Gilson, Gilson talked a lot about this back in the day. He would call it unconscious competence. And he would say that's worse than conscious incompetence, right? Like not yeah. knowing what you do well is worse than not knowing what you do wrong because you need to be able to replicate that. So what, do you, what does James Hobart do? That's funny because I've heard, I've heard, I've heard Gilson say that. Um, I'll tell you the first thing, and I'm glad you brought this up because I know the other thing I wanted to talk about for new coaches was emotional intelligence. Cause I was almost like, you know, I would say regardless of what, you know, in terms of technical coaching ability, I think as long as you can keep people safe, um, the biggest thing is, you know, the following. And like you said, that's creating an environment where they have the best hour of their day. What do I do? I'll tell you this. I'm always worried about it. I mean, I'll give you a couple of things that I think I do that help make it a more enjoyable class period, but I'm always freaking worried about it. Um, I'm worried about whether or not people like the class, whether or not everyone enjoyed it. Um, did they feel like they get something out of it Do all levels of athletes feel like they get something out of it? Was it fun for them? Um, did I, you know, did I leave, you know, did I send everyone back out the door at the end of the hour thinking that I got a little bit better today at something? Um, so I'm constantly worried about it. That's the first thing. The simplest stuff that I do um, it just starts with when they come in the door, it's a, Hey, hello. And a, and a second question, it's making sure that nobody comes in the gym or leaves the gym without receiving a hi or a goodbye, you know, and their name attached to it. I think that's really huge. Um, because it, I think it helps make them feel comfortable, you know, aside from that. And I think this is advice I got from Austin. I try really hard not to overwhelm myself with the uh, development of their fitness. And what I mean by that is, you know, Austin summed it up as when someone comes into a class or everybody in your class, keep them safe. I mean, that's the first thing you got to keep people safe. And there are lots of ways to do that, but keep them safe, make them better at one single thing and uh, help them have some fun. And I think for new coaches, that's such an important thing to look at because one, it's a really low barrier to entry. And two, I do think it combines, you know, the three important things of, of what we need to do. Athletes don't have to move well to get better in CrossFit and the poor the program, you know, even applied poorly works pretty damn well. You know, I've almost never seen it not work. So I think there's like a lot of room in there for doing things like relating to athletes, you know, spending 15 minutes post-workout to, to chat with them, maybe about not even how they did in the workout, but what else is going on in their life? What are they excited about this week? So 
I think two really big things that I would say off the bat. One is just, you know, greeting people and, uh, you know, helping shepherd people as they leave the gym, you know, saying goodbye to them. And the second one I would say is, you know, spending a little bit of time getting to know your members beyond their air squat, I think is, I think is, those are probably two things that I try to do. Um, and then the third thing is I try really hard to make warm ups that are, that I would want to do that are a blend of entertaining, uh, effective and help prepare them, you know, and enhance the skill uh, or the movements that they're going to do in the workout. You know, I still put a lot of time into planning my warmups. I will be honest and say, there's probably no other part of my class that I plan. You know, I don't sit down, right. Class plan for how the workout she's going to go or the progression that I'm going to teach. But as far as like the general warmup, when they first come in, uh, I put, a, I still put a lot of thought into that. I think it's the hardest part of the class because it has to blend that like aspect of actually make their bodies better, but kind of get them also mentally and emotionally warmed up to enjoy the class. I think that's a huge part of that. Yeah. You know, you see whether you're coaching the 5am or the 5pm, whether it's they're getting out of bed or getting out of work, yeah. you don't want them to come in and be like, Oh no, we have to do this. Not like they want to have fun. They just want to get loose and enjoy themselves. And, you know, having had a lot of level for coaches on having had seminar staff people on everything you just said seems to be the common denominator. The, the CrossFit seminar staff has maybe 200 people on it. And most of them are smarter than me and better coaches, but they all would then say what you just said, having fun is the most important thing. Like know the progressions, but keep it fun and obviously safe for your members. That's yeah. the, yeah. the challenge is it's, you can't teach that. You can't. And, and I think that's why I go back to like, hey, just know the foundations well. Like, you know, you don't have to know about every body part or, you know, you don't have to have an advanced understanding of anatomy and physiology. But it's like, damn it, if you just know one push jerk progression really, really well, and you know, the, you know, the faults associated with the push jerk, like the back of your hand, that stuff can become involuntary. And then, you know, the voluntary stuff can all become the relating to athletes to seeing when you need to, you know, give somebody a high five, how to motivate them, how to check in on them, you know, to ask the question of, Hey, here's how we usually scale this, but you know, what do you feel like you could do today? I think that's one of the most important reasons of like, um, you know, I never tell coaches that they need to know a progression because their athletes are ever going to really care. You know, their athletes may or may not know the difference, but when that stuff can get put on autopilot, I think you can do, you know, the real honest work of a coach, you know, and that's getting to know your athletes better and, and help, help them meet their goals, um, in the gym. You know, and, and if you're listening, I think one thing you can do that James said is just say hello and have a name attached to every single person. If you don't do that, you're failing as a coach. Yeah. It has to be a welcoming environment, you know? And, um, and I try and say this to a lot of people. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm me personally, like I'm a little awkward. Like I'm not the funniest guy in the room and I'm definitely not the bubbliest guy in the room, but you know, like I'll sure as shit, make sure you know that like, I know who you are and I care about knowing who you are. And I think however people do that, some people are a little bit more quiet or they like a little bit more one-on-one. -on -one. Other people like to do it through jokes or performance. Like however you do it, um, the least should happen is that they should all leave there knowing that like you paid attention to them. You know, and I hear coaches all over the place 
you know, talk about how to do this differently. One of my first CrossFit coaches that I worked with, um, Mike Bazillion, who now runs CrossFit Great Barrington, which is the affiliate my mom goes, he just had an uncanny ability. You know, I shouldn't say uncanny. It wasn't uncanny. He just had a persistent, uh, persistent ability to make sure he remembered people's names. And if he didn't, you know, constantly put them on the whiteboard and not be afraid to ask, you know, and it was, it's a real, that's a really important skill. Yeah. Shout out to Mike. I haven't thought of him in a little while. So yeah, I might reach reach out to him. How is Lucy doing? My mom, she's doing very well. Uh, she, um, she actually just started, I believe, shadowing some classes, uh, at her affiliate across her great Barrington. So I think she's going to, she's going to start coaching, uh, start coaching there, which is, which is really, really cool. If you don't follow Lucy, I think it's Lucy underscore F H or H what's her Instagram handle. It is Lucy underscore F H I believe. Yeah. Not that I'm checking out your mom, James, but that's okay. She, uh, she's, you know, she is a child. She'd love, she would honestly, if you (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that, you'd love to hear that from you. Yeah. Um, but she's great. I mean, she's fit. She, I believe you told me at one point she was a smoker, right? She did smoke. Yeah. For, yeah. for a really long time. So you can, uh, you can change your life. I mean, she's qualified for the, you know, top 200 in her age group in the past. I believe she has done that. Yeah. Yeah. She, I know a I little more about, about your mom. Now, it, it, it goes right to, yeah. Well, she, I wouldn't doubt it. She is, uh, she's, she's way, I should take an Instagram talk about, I think she's a really good example of, um, you know, just why it's not always just about all the details of the progression. I mean, when she came into CrossFit, it was, I saw someone who moved really well. And like, whenever I would coach her, I would just want to push her to use more weight, you know, and give her some technical understanding. And that's just, you know, not what she wanted at all. She was happy with her growth and and she has her class, her 7am alphas. I mean, it was, yeah, fitness was the the core of what made her life a little bit better, but it was all the other things that came with it. You know, the camaraderie of the class, the environment of the gym, um, you know, the fitness just kind of turned out to be a bonus. You know, and that's something I preach these days. A lot of people put out private programming. I know you guys do group programming, the hand plan, which I highly recommend people checking out, but a lot of people are doing private programming and there's a push, you know, we don't have to drop any initials out there, but there's a push for people to, you know, do their own thing. And I'm like, cool. Is this smart and good programming? Probably, but only if people do it. And, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't work out by myself anymore. I need to be in class. Yeah. I mean, I've done this for 12 years and, uh, I, you know, and, and I don't mean this as like a, let me tip my hat. Like I'm the man kind of deal. It's not at all, but I've, I've worked out consistently. I've, I've worked out against, uh, the best CrossFit athletes on the planet. And um, I, I think that it truly comes down to, you know, it's not necessarily what you do, it's who you do it with and how you do it. And that matters so much. And nobody, you know, not everyone likes that answer. And I'll also say this, um, if you want to do your own program or a private program or a special program, then that's fine. You know, it's like, I'm not going to take a big dump on somebody's head because when they go into Starbucks, they want to order an iced coffee instead of a hot coffee. That, if that's their taste and that's what they want, great. You know, the market is well-equipped to handle that. But I, I do want new coaches, you know, to, and man, and yeah, I do. I, I run one partner, one third partner of the hand plan. And I think what we do is so important. And uh, I really love what we do, you know, in terms of programming and, and class plans. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
there's good programming for free everywhere. And uh, if you're consistent with it and, you know, you see, you scale it, you know, effectively and, and consistently and well, it's like, you're going to get fit for a fucking lifetime. And uh, you would never have to touch any private or specialized or specific programming. I mean, it's just, you know, the constantly varied functional movement, high intensity piece, you know, coupled with the, the camaraderie piece and the, you know, the competitive aspect that I think comes from taking a class with your friends. I mean, I think that it you know that's that's the least you need for a lifetime of fitness especially if you enjoy it and uh i just my only fear is that like new trainers coaches athletes get hoodwinked by this notion that if they don't do something specialized to them they're not going to get the secret sauce and that's just such a crock of shit you know and i'd I'd hate for people to go on thinking that well i do want to address that but before i do that let me say before austin loses his mind (laughs) you know one thing you said is yeah you can get free programming everywhere. Cool. But realize if you're using the hand plan, you're getting a lesson plan for your class. It's not simply, you're, I don't think you're paying as much for the programming as you are for the planning of the class. We don't have to dive too deep into it, but there's far more value than just, you know, here's the workout of the day when you subscribe to hand plan. Yeah. And you know, like, like I said, I think, um, I'm obviously very proud of our programming and uh, at the Hamlet, and I do think it's I do think it's very well done. And uh, you know, I believe that you get a little bit something extra, you know, from three people who have been involved with every aspect of the community, from from coaching to owning affiliates to competing. You know, combined, I think me, Spencer, and Austin have you know over 30 years of experience. Um, but you know, what's really interesting is when I look at our programming, is is it's full of a lot of fundamentals. I think uh, I do think the class plans that we offer. Um, you know, my goal with those and they have been developing has been to try and share, you know, the insight that we have when the three of us go into a class or coach a class and how we handle it. And so, yeah, there's some suggested progressions in a class plan, but really what the class plans have started to become is, you know, the insight I might, you know, have to a certain workout or how I view a workout, both as, you know, how are you going to control the class? You know, what is the motivation you look for with your class today? What are specific things you should watch out for? So, yeah, I certainly think, of course, there's a lot of value in that. Um, and also with that, I hope coaches, as they if they decide to use something like that, it's not a crush that they always have. I hope they evolve beyond it. You know, it's like I want them to gain some skills for it and be able to make it their own long term. I just, I just get so worried about, you know, people thinking that... Um, the only way for them to get fitter is to find, you know, constantly search for some specialized and specific program. And I think if you look at just the basic success at CrossFit.com, you know, it was a free programming platform forever. Um, it just should remind us that uh, if we're consistent with it and we pay attention to what we're bad at and, and chase that, we can continually get better. I don't think, you know, you always have to, you have to search for some specialized programming. So let's let's take a moment and dump on people's heads. Like you said you didn't want to, but I want to for a second. Right. The, there's a lot of people listening that yeah. probably do their own programming. What's and, yeah. and the truth is, you know, they don't know any better. Like you said, they just think they do. Rather than just saying, hey, you don't, or hey, class is where you should be, what are some, I don't know, metrics, what are some indicators they could use to decide that do I need to do this versus could I get better simply going to class and training with intensity? 
Um, yeah, it's funny. So, and I'm a little less righteous on this than I used to believe, believe it or not, but, um, you know, Pat Sherwood and I, you know, used to talk about this a lot. Pat was, was one of my mentors on seminar staff and, and now works very closely with, uh, developing, um, CrossFit health. It worked on CrossFit media for a while, but, you know, he once said to me, he said, you know what, if people are safe and they come into the gym and you have the space for it in your affiliate and they just want to do 20 extra workouts or fall such and such as programming. He's like, I don't have that big of a deal with it. Um, one of the things I think is really good for your athletes to kind of, if they're on the fence of where to go or they're having time with it is to just continually provide some little pieces of some little pieces of education about how to track effectively, or at least helping draw them to what their goals are, you know, just not necessarily confronting them, but just having them ask the question of like, Hey, why do you come in regularly? What are some of the things you want to have happen? And through there, if you can start to understand their goals or help them understand their goals a little better, I think it becomes easier to answer those, answer those questions. Um, it becomes easier to point them to the things in a class that occur in a class uh, that will make them better without specialized programming or some specific programming that they do on their own. I think that can be one of the most helpful things. So uh, let me give you a quick example. So I guess an example would be in, in this month, um, we are going to look at, uh, we're going to, the focus for us at Handplane is at building your engine in May. That's the focus that we have for our affiliate programming. And that includes basically just kind of getting better at, you know, what you might call like classic CrossFit kind of stuff, like the Cindy's of the world, but also monostructural efforts. And so I was talking to this to my class this morning and I said, guys, this could be really easy to track because truly a lot of athletes, we always, you know, I'm an old school guy. This way I love stuff going up on the whiteboard. But uh, sometimes after class, I get everybody's scores up there and people are like, ah, what, you know, they don't care. It doesn't, you know, it just gets a race at the end of the day and, and they don't track it at all. So I was talking to a couple athletes this morning who said they hate running. Oh, I hate running. Okay. You know, and I said, well, what do you hate about it? Well, I never know how to pace. It's just always uncomfortable. But then someone said, you know, I noticed that when I run a little more often, it gets easier, you know? <laughs> And that's really a simple observation, but it's 100% true. So one of the things we talked about, I said, hey, guys, here's your goal for the month. If you hate running, one, I said, try to show up to the running classes, scale it to the distances, whatever you feel comfortable. But I said, your goal for the month is to make sure that um, wherever the halfway point is in your run, you always try and do a negative split. So you always make the back half a little faster. So for example, if you're running a 400, you can run your 200 out as smooth and controlled as you want. But when you turn around, you got to try and come in a little bit harder. Um, and so that, you know, that's the goal for a couple of athletes. And I think when you can start to under, understand what people's goals are or frustrations are, you can start to give them some very, very simple targets uh, that help them, you know, even in a class environment where there's a diverse uh, demographic of athlete skill levels and diverse set of needs, you can really start to ha help your athletes out by just giving them small pieces of education throughout the workout. I think probably the biggest litmus test, sorry, I'm going on here, but the biggest litmus test for, you know, whether or not athletes, you know, I hate the word should, but should do a, a private programming is just really, do they want to? And, you know, I think after asking them about what their goals are and helping giving them some education about how a class environment helps them meet those goals, if they're still just like, yeah, I just want to do my own programming for a little while. I don't think it's the end of the word as, world as long as you have the space for it in your gym and, uh, you know, it's not going to pollute the, the, the environment or the mood of the other athletes in the class. 
I, I could I could agree with that. Right. It's just it's no different than class. Hey, if you if that's what it takes for you to enjoy yourself and come back in, great. I think people are forcing themselves to do a lot of that when they actually would have more fun and therefore get fitter by going to class. But one thing you just nailed that I hope people took from this is that's also how you motivate those better athletes. Like give them those little carrots and dangle them, like have a negative split or, you know, Fern and I had a podcast about scaling and I said, sometimes maybe start your better athletes a minute or two behind and get them to try to catch up. You know, give the, give those better athletes something yeah. to challenge them, and then they'll realize I can still get fit in class. Yeah, and I just think a lot of the times when I when I bump into athletes in the gym who want some private programming or are frustrated like that, it's usually because there's some need that's not being met in class. But typically, that need can be met in class, and some of that just comes from you not knowing your athletes well. You know, most of the time, it's like, you know, for me, it's been as simple as. You know, someone's like, you know, I'm just really frustrated with my pull-ups and I want to get more strict pull-ups. And I'm like, well, cool. Instead of, you know, going to a private program and like tell your coach at the beginning of class and then every time kipping pull-up shows this month, you're going to do strict and I guarantee your strict pull-ups will be better. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of the, uh, you know, searching of your members to go elsewhere for physical benefit comes from you just not knowing them well enough or paying attention to them enough. I think there's something to that. All right. You, you've been featured on CrossFit for nearly a decade now. What's, what's the favorite video you've ever been featured in? Oh, damn, Jay. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I thought long and hard. Um, all right. Yeah, I, I'll tell you. Um, honestly, and this is probably one of my, if I had to say, like, what are your proudest CrossFit accomplishments? Um, I would say this one is way up there. This one probably, I think this one beats out probably anything I've done as a, as a competitive athlete, but, uh, being in the demo videos is just one of the, the greatest, uh, personally for me, just, uh, honors and, and, you know, humbling achievements I've ever had. You know, I learned CrossFit from videos of Annie Sakamoto and Greg Amundsen, um, you know, and Pat Barber and, and Adrian Bosman. I, that's how I learned CrossFit. And so to be in some of those demo videos, you know, and doing our nine, some of our nine foundational movements, you know, along, alongside, uh, some, some really amazing people like, uh, Julie Fouché and, uh, and Camille and, and those other athletes, that's probably one of my, if I had to say like, that's like my favorite video up there. The other one, it was, um, just the, just the one of my mom, um, there was a video, a little CrossFit journal video that uh, um, they they put out of my my mother doing CrossFit and her journey through CrossFit. You and know, that, was, uh, that just, was one of my favorites to be in. I'll, ch- I'll definitely check that one out. But yeah, just so you guys know, you know, whether you're taking, uh, you know, tests or you, you're looking at the videos online, you know, James and Julie Fouché are featured and our friend Todd Ashuto takes credit oftentimes because people think it's him in the demo james i just want you to know that i do i do know that i'm glad because you know todd needs that okay i'll let him know it's okay i didn't know if you'd be upset by that i don't mind todd riding my coattails you know it's uh he needs that in his life he does need that i hope he's listening and you know he needs that he is certainly 
riding multiple coattails. Um, but, also, but also a flow master. He is a flow master, which is which is great. It's a Todd would probably ride anything of mine. <laughs> this is a clean podcast, but I agree with you. What now? Earlier on, and we're, and we're getting ready to wrap up. But earlier on, you mentioned you know you drop in, you take classes. It's it's intimidating. A James Hobart walks in. I'm not as intimidating, but people see you and they're like, "He's a good coach." He, we, what are we going to do to help him? We still need coaching. But what has been some of the biggest mistakes you've seen? Obviously, doing the opposite of everything we just spoke about. Do you have any specifics? Like if you do this, it's a mistake when you're coaching. Um, big mistakes. I, I can just tell when people don't have a general timeline plan. And, um, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world because I end of the world because I still think the class can be fun. But, you know, when I when I tell that someone has um, a little bit of a plan at least as far as like, I'm only going to spend 10 minutes here and five minutes here and, and 15 minutes here. I think class just runs a lot. It's just a lot smoother. And, uh, the coaches is, is, is able to be themselves a little bit more. Um, to be honest with you, <laughs> when I go to an affiliate to take a class, I love taking class cause I get to be on autopilot. Typically my, my coach, my coaching brain, my evaluation brain, uh, is totally shut off. But, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones I see. And I think one of the other really big ones, um, if, and this is coaches who are totally disengaged, you know, like there's no coach led warm up, There's no coach led specific warm up. They're just, you know, it's, it's basically someone who's good at being a cup holder and a timekeeper. Um, I think that's just, that's probably the mistake. If you're disengaged, you're, you're just a, you know, a barnacle. I, and ain't nobody got time for that. And that's a box owner problem too, right? Like, yeah. sure, it's your, you're the coach, but if you're a box owner and you know that's that, because I've had box owners reach out, like, how do I motivate this guy? I'm like, you fire them. That's how you fire motivate his ass. Them. You know, yeah. they'll be better at another box, but not at yours. Yeah. And, you know, or, or just another job. You know, it's like even, even the coaches who I see are, who, who, who provide like the worst, you know, cues you know they're just yelling technique at their members you know like try harder <laughs> um, you know even the coaches who have the worst technical capability um if they're really engaged that that, that shines through because i think if you're engaged and you're tuned in and you're compassionate like you'll care enough to, to to stop an athlete before they do something stupid or if they're being unsafe and i think if you're engaged uh you're at least you know providing them with an experience of showing like, Hey, the leader of the class is checking in on me and wants to help me out. And maybe the athlete doesn't know whether or not your cue is helping them out and that's okay. Or maybe your cue is crappy, but the first thing is you just have to be engaged. So disengaging being a disengaged coach is probably the biggest thing, you know, I've seen gone wrong or I kind of think like, Oh, that's too bad. Um, from there, it's just, I think you can kind of tell when people don't have a plan, you know, there should be some semblance of a plan as they structure, as they walk through class. I think those are two really big issues and it's small. Like I'm not saying spend five hours slaving over a plan and I just, you know, think about some basic things that you want to leave to the class to leave with by the end of the day and that you want to accomplish. Yeah. Our good buddy Austin would push that as you have to give a shit. And if you can't, if you don't give a shit, it's apparent. You know, I think what might be better is like some of the things, you know, it's funny. It's like 
not not so much what do I see and, and think are the biggest mistakes. Some of the things I see the best coaches do well, like I said, you know, I know I'm in a good affiliate when I walk in the door and no one knows me and other members come up to me and introduce themselves. Like I know I'm in somewhere that's, that's good and special. Um, I think when I hear the coach, you know, speak to the class as kind of like a friend, you know, the example I would use is, you know, when I hear coaches giving some intention or insight to the workout, that's more than just rereading the workout to me, like, Hey, here's this workout friend, 21, 15, nine, nine, 95 pounds, 65 pounds. It's supposed to be, uh, thrusters and pull-ups. It's supposed to be fast to make you puke. You know, when I hear something more than that, like a trainer says something like, Hey guys, you know, I've done Fran before. It's a class asset benchmark. I think what I'd like to see you guys do is find a loading where you can go on broken and push yourself. And, um, for those of you who struggle with pull-ups, that's okay. Today, we're going to bring the pull-up reps down. And if you're great at pull-ups, I want to challenge you guys to do them unbroken. You know? So when I hear some of that sort of like, you might call it hand-holding, but when I hear coaches share their own insight and expectation and personality into discussing like the, the goals of the day, that's always like a really good sign. I love that. And I think I really like when I see coaches who interact with athletes as they're taking them through reps. And I think a good example would be you know, the coach who just calls reps ad nauseum and then the coach who like calls reps, notice the group is getting their ass kicked and like makes a joke about it or checks in and asks everybody how they're doing. You know, that's like, Oh, how are you guys feeling? Oh, you're sore. Good. We're going to, we're going to keep doing reps. Then we're going to make that worse. You know, I, I like when coaches create a, an environment that's almost conversational as if they're kind of chatting with you and they go through it. I think those are some things I see go really, really well. All right. I know your time is uh, valuable and we need to get wrapping up. But one question I always like to ask is what is one book you would recommend that the listeners read? Oh, you're, you've been on a book kick lately too. I'm turning around and I'm going to look at my, uh, my list of books. Um, well, mine's not a happy book, but I read, uh, oh gosh, I read, this book, uh, I think I've talked about this on a previous podcast and I read this book hunger by, uh, an author, Roxanne Gay. And she, it's basically, it discusses something that happened to her when she was young. I don't want to give it away. And it's, it's not a happy story. Um, you know, she kind of had a, she had a very tragic, uh, event in her life, horrible event. She discusses in the book, how it, how it shapes her her perception and how it affected her and still does. And, you know, how she perceived herself relationships, the rest of the world. And what I really loved about that book is it provided a perspective to me that I probably, you know, I will never have in my life. And it provided me a perspective and reminded me of the fact that, um, you know, even if you're someone who's really willing to help other people, you don't have all the answers. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of value sometimes in pursuit of trying to help others in rather in spending time getting to hear, listen to, and appreciate their perspective rather than just saying, hey, I see that you have an issue. I want to help you. Here are all the tools I have to help you. Um, and I think that's a really important thing, not just as a CrossFit coach, but as a coach slash, slash teacher. Um, you really have to you know, understand when is it time to, to help others? And, you know, when is it time to 
hear about how you can best help others? And when is it time to just understand that, you know, maybe your help is not for this person? And uh, I thought that book was really incredible. It's powerful. And uh, I think it forces you to kind of come to terms with this, like, hey, if I work hard and I care enough, I can fix all the problems. And in the real world, that's not always the case. Those are great qualities to have. And, um, you know, it also helps you understand that the more perspectives and walks of life that you can expose yourself to, I think the more effective you will be as both a learner and a teacher and a listener and, um, you know, a compassionate caregiver. So it was pretty, it was a pretty great book. It is a great book. Yeah. You mentioned that to me in the past, but I always write down the books that the guests mention, and I'm going to check that one out. So, yeah. And you know, and that's not like, it's like I said, it's like everybody's into like these happy, like these happy self-help books. Everyone, you know, everyone's like having this big stoic philosophy kick, you know, it's like this book is really, you know, this, this book is, is really, you know, it's, it's real life. (laughs) And, uh, I I think it's, it's pretty powerful. Where can people find James Hobart? I mean, you can check out the ham plan. We talked about that with Austin. Yeah, he's going to kill, he's going to kill me for that. But, uh, we actually just got a new website, uh, thehamplan.com. Uh, a friend of ours just redid that for us. So that is excellent. If you guys want to go there and they can get a seven day trial also, you can get a, a seven day trial and, and see what we do. Uh, we just reformatted our class plans. And, uh, I think, again, I think one of the big values is, you know, you get a, you get a lot of attention from myself, uh, Austin and, and Spencer Hendel, which, you know, I think is cool. We don't, you know, maybe we don't have all the answers, but, you know, each of us have over a decade of experience that uh, we're pretty eager to share. I mean, we're all affiliate owners and, and uh, so it's, it's definitely a labor of love for us. And what about you directly? I know you're on Instagram. You got, you do a great job with your picture quality, your content, but if people don't already follow you, what's your Instagram handle? I appreciate you saying that because that's one thing I'm always stressed out about. <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, I, I read it. I mean, I like a lot of pictures, but there are some people that I actually read what they write because it's actually valuable and yours is one of it. So what, what's your I, handle? That's right back at you too. Um, James Hobart, just my name, James Hobart. If you want to, uh, if you want to find me on Instagram and uh, I hope, I hope you like it. You're not on Facebook, correct? I am on, Are you on Facebook, Facebook. So now? if you just search yeah, James Hobart, yeah, I, my, my fiance created a Facebook for me. Cause you know, I, I think she, I'm a troglodyte and I live in the stone age with, with social media, but uh, so yeah. Well, it's been great chatting with you. Um, you always are super knowledgeable, super motivating. And I hope I know that if people are still listening, they got a ton of knowledge from you, super simple stuff. And that's what the best coaches do. They keep it simple. So Thanks again for being on, James. Jason, I, I appreciate it, and thank you for having me, and I hope that uh, I hope that helps some people. If not, then maybe they'll get a laugh or two. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us, and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, Share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to best hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.